Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another great episode of the Perkyevos podcast with Rabbi Shlomo Kohn, where we live with the ethics of the Torah. If you enjoy this podcast, you might also like my other podcast on the Parsha of the Week. You can find it by looking in the show notes below or searching for the Practical Parsha podcast. Short, practical, and enjoyable. Check it out. And as always, if you want to reach me, say hello, questions, comments, feel free to send me an email at rabbishnomakon with a K at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. For this week's Mishnah, we're continuing with chapter one, Mishnah 12. Perak Aleph, Mishnah Yudbez. And the Mishnah is beginning to teach us about the pair of Hillel and Shammai. Now, before we begin the Mishnah, this Mishnah and, and the subsequent ones will be teaching us some of the ideas of Hillel. And just to give a little bit of a background about Hillel, Hillel and Shammai, both counterparts, and in the Gemara, in the Talmud, we see many disputes between base Hillel the house of Hillel and base Shammai, the house of Shammai. They were the two different, I guess, yeshivas of the time. And many times in the Gemara, we come out, we follow the opinion of base Hillel um, in the majority, overwhelming majority of um, disputes. And there are some exceptions. Um, the, 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 the Gemara tells us, you know, gives us a picture about the personalities of Hillel and Shammai. Obviously, they are both great tzaddikim. They're both very, very righteous. There, It seems that Shammai was more sharp, was more very, you know, obviously he was extremely righteous. Not that he was, you know, not uh, that there was a, a problem, but he was very straight to the point, very sharp. Hillel was known to have extreme patience and um, was able to deal with any person. There's a famous story about a convert who wanted to become Jewish and he came to Shammai and said, can you teach me the whole Torah on one foot? And when he came to Shammai, like I mentioned, who was more sharp, he said, get out of here. He threw him out. And then he went to Hillel, the other great sage of the time, and said, could you please teach me the Torah on one foot? And Hillel told him the following. Don't want done to you, don't do to your friend. That's the whole Torah. It says everything else is commentary. And what happened was, is that this um, potential convert converted and he became Jewish. And he said, if not for Hillel, I would have not been brought under the wings of the Shechina. And there are different stories about the patience of Hillel. The Talmud rec recounts how people made a bet that if they could make Hillel get angry. And the, the Gemara, and, and I believe in Shabbos, tells us the story how he would come to, to nudge Hillel at the most inopportune times to try to get him angry. And he wouldn't get angry. And at the end of the, the Talmud, after this whole story, the, the Talmud says, you know, he just lost me 50 bucks. You know, that, that, that this man who was trying, he was involved in this wager, told Hillel, that because of Hillel, I lost $50. He didn't get angry. And um, just a little bit more in the background of Hillel specifically, he was very, very poor. And 
in those times, he it was customary that people who would study in the study hall would not be able to enter unless they paid a small fee beforehand. Right? We have it good nowadays. Whoever wants, we're begging people to come in. You don't have to pay anything. And you give a donation, you get a tax deduction. But in those times, it was different. If you wanted to come into the study hall, you had to pay a fee. And Hillel was extremely poor, destitute. And whatever he was able to earn, half of it would go to the watchman of the study hall, and the other half would go to support his family. The Talmud tells us that one day, business did not go well. And he didn't make enough money to be able to enter the study hall. So what did he do? He climbed to the roof of the building to try to listen to the voices, to the kol Torah, to the sounds of Torah, so he could be able to get whatever he could get, even though he was not able, he didn't have the money to enter the base medrash, to enter the, the sanctuary where the people were studying. And the Gemara tells us how that day it started to snow. And in the morning, when the rabbis came into the study hall, they noticed that it was darker than usual. And when they looked up, they saw the form of a man blocking the sunlight. They quickly ran up and undug Hillel from the snow and revived him. And the Gemara tells us that when a person comes up to Shemayim, there's different questions that are going to be asked of each and every one of us. Did you conduct yourself honestly in business? Did you study Torah? And there's a very interesting Gemara which tells us that there's, you know, that Hillel Mitaritz Dahani, that if a person answers, I was too poor to study Torah, the heavenly tribunal answered, Were you more poor than Hillel? Were you as poor as Hillel? Because Hillel, a great sage, he was destitute, but yet he still made time to study Torah. He still made time to learn. And just this gives us a little bit of a picture of the greatness of Hillel, the humility of Hillel. And with that, we begin the Mishnah. Hillel v'shamai kiblu mehem. Hillel and Shabbai accepted the tradition from Shmaya and Avtalion. Hillel Oimer. Hillel would say, Be one of the disciples of Aaron. Oyev Shalom, love peace. Veroydev Shalom, and run after peace. Oyev Asabriyos, be loving towards people. Umekarvan Latayra, and bring them closer to the Torah. So we have two different ideas with two points in each idea. So thought number one is be a student of our own. Love peace and chase it. And the second part is love people, be well regarded by people, love people and bring them closer to the Torah. So the first point, which I want to bring out from the actual wording of the Mishnah, is that it says the first introductory line Hillel is giving us here. What does it say? 
It says, Be a disciple of Aaron. And then the Mishnah lists the, the teaching and how, or, or how you should be like Aaron. You should love peace, pursue peace. And we know just to give a background about Aaron Cohen, Aaron Cohen was the ultimate peacemaker, the ultimate person who tried to get people to get together and to, to, to get rid of the friction, to cause people to make up and forgive each other. The Midrashim tell us how Aaron would, you know, get involved to help marital disputes to make peace between husband and wife. How he would cause people who were in fights with each other to make peace with each other and make up. And the Midrash tells us that when Aaron passed away, there were 80,000 Aarons who were named after him carrying his coffin. And the 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 Midrashim tell us that each one of those Aarons were from a marriage that he saved. Now, when the Mishnah tells us, when Hillel is telling us, Havi mitamidav sha'aron, he's not telling us to be Aaron. Rather, he's telling us to be a student of Aaron, to be a disciple of Aaron. You know, many times, we see people, we, we, we mentor, we, um, we idolize other people. We look up to other individuals. You know, some people look up to sports players. Other people look up to, you know, hopefully we all look up to our parents, our grandparents. We look up to, you know, a rabbi, community members. I don't know. We could be friends. Does everybody could fill in the blanks. And a lot of times when we look up to people that are, are great people, we want to be like them. But sometimes we want to be them. We wish we could be someone else. We wish we could have certain skills like another person. We could wish we could have those abilities, those looks, those, I don't know, you fill in the blank yourself. Hillel is teaching us something very important. It says it's good to have mentors. It's good to have people to look up to. It's good to, you know, to try to be like other people, especially the good things about other people. But we have to remember in the end of the day that we're not going to be that person. We'll never be a Haruna Cohen. We could be Shlomo Cohen. We could be John Doe. We could be whoever we are, right? Whatever your name is, that's what you could be. Fill in the blanks. We could be, say your name. We could be the best we can be, but we can't be Aaron Cohen. We can't be the person we envision, you know, that we look up to, even though we want to be like that person. And that's very important because when we think of ourselves like that, because Hashem wants the best of us. He wants us to be the best we can be. He doesn't expect us to be someone else. So the first thing Hillel is teaching us when he's giving us, you know, he's telling us about peace. He's telling us about the traits of Aaron Cohen. He's saying, don't try to be Aaron. You're not going to be Aaron. Be a student of Aaron. Follow in his footsteps. Take the good things of Aaron and apply it to your life. Take it, you know, if you see something good in somebody, a mentor, 
take it and apply it to yourself, but you're not going to be that person. And it's important to remember that because it's, you know, that's how we become the best we can be and fulfill our potential. A second thought from this Mishnah is on the next point that we're going to bring out. The Mishnah says, Oyev shalom v'roidev shalom. You have to love peace and, and you have to chase after it. You know, I always remember, you know, my, my mother, she should be gesund, always saying to us, you know, telling us, you know, imitating by these beauty pageants. They say, they ask the person like, so what do you want to achieve in life? And, she, you know, she would always say world peace. And you always make fun of that. Like they always want world peace. Everyone wants world peace. It's just the catchphrase. Everyone says they want world peace. What does that mean? The Mishnah is telling us something very, very insightful when it comes to shalom, when it comes to peace. That it's not just enough to want peace. You have to rodev shalom. You have to chase peace. You have to actively pursue it. You can't expect it to happen it by itself. It doesn't. And really, the matter of fact is, is that the nature of the world is the opposite of that. That the nature of the world, that the Maharal explains to us, that the natural order of the world is commotion, is friction, is, you know, fighting. And therefore, it takes a concerted effort by us to create peace to achieve equilibrium it doesn't it's not like you get to a certain plane and it just levels out and it's all good now everything's peace it's something that needs to be constantly worked on constantly you know it's it's something which is a it's a work in progress and this is something which is we can apply in our own lives whether it be our marriages whether it be in our relationships with our parents, whether or with our children, with our friends, or anybody, anybody we deal with. That keeping the peace is not just putting things on autopilot. It's, it's by actively pursuing it to making sure that, you number one, is you get to that place of shalom, you get to that place of peace. And number two is, Rodev Shalom is to actively maintain it to make sure it doesn't go away. Because just because you get it doesn't mean you'll keep it. And really, once we're on this topic of shalom, the, it's very important to, to really reiterate and to stress the benefits of peace, the benefits of harmony. And I believe the, the sages tell us, and I think it's in Proverbs, that that the only way to sort of hold blessing is by peace. And I think I've mentioned this example before in the past, but it's always good to review that if you have a vessel that's broken and you try to fill up that vessel, what happens to the liquid? It comes right out. So you could, you, you could have the most expensive wine that I give to you as a present, but if the vessel that you have is cracked at the bottom, all that expensive wine will come right out. But if the barrel is whole, is it, it's complete, it's not broken, 
So if I give you a present of a very exquisite wine, so then you'll be able to hold it. You'll be able to gain, reap the benefits of it, to enjoy it. And that's the parable that's used to teach us about the benefits of Shalom. Hashem, God wants to give us blessing. And he does give us blessing all the time. Obviously, sometimes we have to daven for the blessing. We have to pray for the blessing. But at the same time, if we don't have peace with our family, with our friends, we don't have inner peace. So the blessings that Hashem is giving us, the blessing that God is pouring down to us is coming right out. It's leaking right out of the barrel. And if, But if we work on this and we try to get along with others, so then it's complete. And we know that the on the flip side, when it comes to the, I guess, the, the danger zone, the risks of fighting, of, of, of machlokis, which is the opposite of peace, you know, we see clearly in the Torah, specifically with the story of Korach, where he, he, he started an insurrection against Moshe Rabbeinu, against Moses. He started a fight. You know, and this obviously there's a lot of commentary about it. Say Korach was a great man. Where did he go wrong? What happened? You know, how something quote unquote more petty became into this huge, almost a civil war. And what happened to him and his followers? They got swallowed up into the ground, never to be heard from again. So the point is, is that when it comes to shalom, blessing comes to us when we get when we have shalom. And if God forbid we don't have, it's like a fire that it could just consume everything. It can consume everything around us. Just like fire could be used, you know, to be contained properly. So machlokis is, 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 could be also like a fire where it can just eat up everything in its path if it's not kept contained in the proper way. And the last idea on the Mishnah is oivesabriois umekarvan latayra. That a person, another way of being a disciple of Aaron is being a loving people and bringing them closer to Torah. And the Midrashim and the Talmud tell us that Aaron, if he saw somebody was slipping in his observance, he would go over to him and give him extra love. He would tell him how much, how special they are and you know, how good they are. And a- after a person would get that extra TLC from Aaron Akoin, from Aaron the high priest, they would say to themselves, if Aaron, the high priest, thinks of me so so highly, so shouldn't I also think of myself highly? How, if he would know what I did, you know, I, he, they would be embarrassed of what they did themselves and it would cause them to sort of make a turnaround to reassess themselves and to get themselves back on the right path. And that's how Aaron did it, with love. brios. He loved people and he brought them closer to the Torah. And just two thoughts that we can take out from this part of the Mishnah, which I think is very, very practical, is number one, building people. And number two is being a role model. That many times, you know, there's so many people around us that we interact with on a daily basis and they don't, no one says hello to them. No one, no one even notices they're around. And if we could just think a little bit to give someone a smile, 
to give someone a compliment, it could make someone feel like a million dollars. It can make their day. It can make their week. It can make their year. It can make their life. You never know how far a good word can go for somebody. And it's not just the random people that we bump into, such as the cashier in the grocery store, but it's the people we deal with on a daily basis. Look for opportunities to build people up, to make them feel like a million dollars because it, it could push people to reach their potential. Obviously, you know, giving someone a compliment is not going to just cause someone to, to just uh, get to their potential, but it could be the lighter fluid which can sort of get things going in a person to make them start start thinking, to make them get back on the correct path, to push them themselves a little bit harder. And that can help them tremendously in their pursuit of their or the, the different goals in life. Secondly, is this idea of being a role model. The Arana Cohen, he was, people looked up to him. So when he gave that love, people said, wow, Arana Cohen, you know, thinks of me like that. I also want to be like him. And we should know that many times we don't realize how far our actions go when even not even when we are trying to affect someone else. People are constantly looking at us. And you might think, you know, who am I? I'm a nobody. I'm not a, you know, I'm not a, I'm not somebody who speaks to other people. I don't have a podcast. So no one hears me, right? No, it's not like, it's not about that. But you have people around you, wherever you are, that are looking at you. And you don't know it. I once had somebody when I was in high school, I wouldn't consider myself that I was, uh, you know, Mr. Popular, Mr. Macho in high school. You know, I was a regular kid, average kid. I had friends. But I wasn't like the, you know, the king of the class or anything like that. And after high school, somebody came over to me and he said, you know, you know, I, I really looked up to you all, all the time in high school. I was like shocked. This guy looked up to me. You know, I, I never knew it. He was looking up to me. Maybe I represented, I did things right. He thought me, saw me as somebody who tried to do the right thing. The point is, this for whoever we are and whatever we're doing, there's always someone looking at you. And they're looking at you and you have the opportunity to be a role model for that person to have an effect on them. And you won't even know about it. You only find out about it after 120 when you come up to Shemayim, when you come up to heaven, and you'll see all these mitzvot, all these good deeds that are accrued to you. So the importance of number one is building people to making them feel good. And number two is being that role model, recognizing that people are looking at you, people are looking at us, and we should keep that, internalize these ideas, and God willing will, number one, is make people help other people reach their potential and be a conduit to uh, bring out you know, uh, the potential in others and God willing to help us reach our potential as well. With that, I'm going to finish for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to me at rabbishlomakom with a K at gmail.com. Have a great day.